and we are live with another edition of the All Gas Snow Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson and Andrew. This might have been the most chaotic week of the NFL season we have seen in recent memory. A lot of big-time upsets, some wild finishes once again, and we now go into week number eight, and I've got to say, I'm not sure realistically, because we spoke about it last show, we're, we were trying to think of who were going to be some of the better contenders in the NFL this season, but after this past week, I don't think we got any any clear vision of who is the best teams right now going into the season. Uh, there are no good teams. The only teams that are pretenders. There, there are no be, real contenders. There might be two, but even then, they have question marks. I mean, it's just very tough to pick a contender because teams that we thought were contenders, let's say like um, the Philadelphia Eagles or the Kansas City Chiefs, while on paper they seem like they're good teams, they've been getting bailed out by the refs. And we'll talk sure. about the Eagles game in a little bit, but it was horrific what happened on um, on Sunday night. Yeah, it was uh, it was a week. That's uh, I think that's the perfect way to sum up what happened this past week in the NFL. But before we can get into all the uh, stunning action that we saw on Sunday, we had a Thursday night game this past week in New Orleans as the Jaguars went in to the Superdome to take on the New Orleans Saints. And there was question marks if Trevor Lawrence was going to play in this one. Lawrence did get the start, was able to play despite the ankle injury. And it seemed early on the Jaguars were controlling the entire game pace. I mean, Lawrence is doing pretty good. They got some cu- a couple touchdowns with Travis Etienne. And the Saints offense early on in this game, they really struggled. I mean, they had nothing going for them. Couldn't run the football. Derek Carr got- having to check down every every throw he made. They Go got ahead. Building at going into the half, I've never seen anything like that for a team to be over 500, kind of defying expectations for the first half of the season. Yeah, it get absolutely turned on. By, I, I realized it was zero points and a half, but to have the team turn that quickly after kind of punching above expectations, fighting above their weight class was a little unsettling to see. Yeah, then you go into this game and where Jack Jacksonville is controlling every aspect, but. The fourth quarter, the Saints started to make this one a lot interesting. They finally got some rhythm going on offense. They had a touch, a couple of touchdowns in the fourth quarter, including one that was a really good, spectacular catch from Michael Thomas. And they got a touchdown to tie the game late, but a big touchdown pass from Trevor Lawrence to Christian Kirk with three minutes left gave the Jaguars the lead. And it looked like this game was almost heading to overtime, but unfortunately for the Saints, Foster Moreau dropped a wide-open touchdown on third and goal that would have tied the game late. And for the Saints, a really frustrating loss for them as they dropped a 3-4 and four of the season, losing to Jacksonville by the final of 31-24. Jaguars now go to 5-2 and two on the year. And this is a game in which they had a lot of opportunities to put this one away. The only concerning thing for Jacksonville that going into the rest of the season is they had a chance to end it early on. They could not get it done, and they let the Saints get back into this one. They weren't able to close it out at the end, but I think if there's anything concerning for this team going on forward is they have to make sure that they don't let these teams fight their way back into it. Otherwise, they're going to give them some hope. So we also have to talk about the controversy surrounding Chris Olave now. Uh, we breaking do. This, uh, breaking earlier today about his arrest, and I don't think this is a uh, – it's obviously serious to be going over double the speed limit in a residential area. Um. But it's not the likes of a wrestler, let's say, like um, his teammate Alvin Kamara or around the league, someone like Henry Ruggs. We've like seen them go. Derek, Derek Carr is known, knew that from experience, yeah. Yeah, it's so, it just adds it more chemistry issues with the locker room to see how they actually want to proceed going forward. Because 
Uh, I don't know what kind of disciplinary action the NFL is going to hand down, but you have to imagine he probably will get suspended for a couple of games. I don't know because Jordan Addison kind of had the same issue. Remember, if you remember correctly, going into the season, into the season, right? And I don't think they suspended him. I think they just fined him. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just gets fined. From was Jordan incident. Addison arrested or was he given a uh, a ticket? I think he was arrested. I was arrested as well. Check. Okay. Well, I it'll be interesting check. to Maybe see I'm what happens. About that, but um, I I don't remember him getting um suspended. I think he just got. Uh, what should we call it? Uh, he was fine. Got a fine. Well, yeah, he was. He he um he got clocked going one forty at a fifty five, which is even worse than that's what Wally did. Or that is way way worse. Um, um, and you know now, but I, I I will retract that statement that he probably will receive a fine. If he doesn't, then he he the NFL has a two tier uh, yeah. Addison. So yeah, then, long story short, if he doesn't get suspended, if he does get um if he does get suspended and doesn't get fined then the nfl clearly has to he'll get he'll get fined for sure they're not gonna they're not gonna yeah. sweep this under the rug he'll yeah, yeah. get fine but yeah, yeah. there's been some discipline needs to needs to take a case i mean right it's not great to do double the speed limit doing 35 over in a 35 in a residential area going 70 right. miles an hour not great but um so it's gonna be interesting to see how the saints locker room reacts to something like that especially when yeah. in the middle of a, trying to make the playoffs and they're a tumultuous year right now because you saw throughout this game against Jacksonville, there was some miscommunication with Derek Carr and his receivers, including Olave. And I don't know if that's playing a factor into what's going on off the field with the Saints team, but they're in the right in the middle of it in the playoff picture right now in the NFC. And they've got to start figuring some things out if they want to make the postseason this year. So they need to figure it out on and off the field as the season goes on. But Johnson, I know you want to get into this game, and I think that's where we're going to start off with our Sunday games. How about the New England Patriots, a heavy underdog at home against the Buffalo Bills, stunning the Bills and beating them by the final of 29-25. to Patriots defense early on in this game was playing spectacular. Josh Allen and company really could not do anything going. Second half was a little bit better for the Bills, but they gave the Patriots enough time late in the fourth quarter to give them an opportunity to win the game. And Mac Jones, to his credit, has gotten a lot of criticism this season, but he drives down the field and he plays 75 yards, game-winning touchdown pass to your favorite, Mike Gesicki, and the Patriots pull off the upset over the Bills by a final of 29-25. to They get their second win of the season. They were not the only 1-5 team this past weekend to win a game to go to 2-5 in the season. So a better, a nice uh, – I know it's Tuesday as of this recording, Johnson, but you definitely had a very good victory Monday on your hands. I did have a good victory Monday. I will say one thing about the Patriots. I'm not going to sit here and gloat about it. I said the same thing the last couple of weeks that there were two main issues bothering the Patriots, and that was one, the separation of wide receivers and the offensive line. The offensive line came to play. They looked a lot better than they have in the last couple of weeks. And surprise, surprise, they unbenched Demario Douglas, who had the best separation of, of any past wide receivers, and they benched guys like Devontae Parker, and it contributed to winning football. Um, yeah. And one of the biggest, uh, you mentioned defense, one of the biggest changes in the defense, even though they lost Christian Gonzalez, was J.C. Jackson. He looks like he did a complete 180 from what he was doing over in Los Angeles. It seems like Bill's defensive scheme fits, fits him a lot better, whether he's hiding something that we don't know about. But he, he looked like his own self like he was back on the Patriots a couple of years ago. And they had him on Stephon Diggs for a good portion of this game as well. So that was definitely a good litmus test for him in this game against the Bills. But... You spoke about the Patriots and how that better they looked in this game. We have to talk about what's going on with Buffalo. And I think it's really concerning if you're a Bills fan, what's happening right now with their offensive woes. 
You saw the game against the Giants. They barely snuck by in that game. But it seems as if ever since the Miami Dolphins game, they have not had a, they have been playing some really bad football offensively. Jacksonville was a bad game in London. They really got there was another game where they started off really slow, picked it up in the second half, but unfortunately it was just a little bit too late. The Giants game they got away with it in the case of the you know the um, the uh, questionable call at the end of the game. But even from the offensive side, their offense was shut out throughout the entire game mostly until the fourth quarter. And then in this game, they didn't get a touchdown to the third quarter at this point. They were going into the half trailing thirteen to three. They've had some really big offensive issues. People are wondering what can be fixed for this offense going forward. But now they dropped the 4-3 and three in the season. And this is a team that, once again, had so much expectations to win the division again and, you know, try and get over that hump and finally make the Super Bowl. But right now, the way they're playing, it's not looking good for this team. Right. I still think they will win the division. Uh, I said this earlier in the year. I think it was 1A, 1B of Miami. And after the... Um... After I've seen Miami for the last couple of weeks, I'm willing to give it to the Bills, even though they are technically a game behind. But we can go more about that and talk about Miami later. But I still think the Bills will make a recovery. Right. Yeah, we'll talk about the Miami Dolphins in their Sunday night game against the Philadelphia Eagles in a little bit later on the show. But let's now move into our next game. And this was a game, one of the games of the week going into, uh, into it between the Detroit Lions and the Baltimore Ravens. And unfortunately for the Detroit Lions, they just got demolished and beat down by this Baltimore Ravens It wasn't team. even a game. It was pretty much done by the end of the first quarter, in my opinion. Um, the Ravens jumped out to an early 14-0 lead. They went into the half up 28 to nothing. eventually took a 35-0 lead at one point in this game. And there was a lot of things going right for the Ravens. Their defense played phenomenal. Jared Goff and company just had no time. Goff got sacked five times, threw an interception. They couldn't really run the ball until late in the fourth quarter when it was pretty much garbage time. Amon Ross St. Brown was the only receiver other than Jameer Gibbs to get over um, to have that over five catches, I believe. Uh, Sam Laporta had six, so scratch that. But still, either way, Amon Ross was the only wide receiver on the Lions that was able to get over 100 yards on the day. And for the Ravens, their offense looked amazing in this one. Lamar Jackson looked like an MVP caliber quarterback once again. He threw for two, 357 yards and three touchdowns. And I think the biggest note in this game is the Lions, their pass rush could not get to Lamar. He had a really good time in the pocket, was able to throw some good footballs and get a nice couple of touchdown passes, and they were able to run the football as well. And this is why the Ravens, as much as they seem to be a weird team where they're kind of Jekyll and Hyde, one week they lose to a team like the Colts a couple weeks ago, then they have this type of performance against the Lions. This is a team that if they continuously do this for the next couple of weeks, they've got to be a Super Bowl threat going forward. But we spoke about this in the Mushing Hour, and I spoke it even more excessively. I said for the Lions, even if they were to lose this game, it's not the end of the world because of what division they're in. But this was definitely a wake-up call for a team that was going in with it with so much expectations. They now dropped the 5-2. and two. Let's see how they respond from a blowout loss like this because they're going to be playing on Monday Night Football this upcoming week. I will say they do have Jared Goff, who is a, I can't believe this, a veteran mentor. Uh, he's been to the Super Bowl. He knows what it's like to have pressure on him, and he can kind of lead this young team around him. Like you said, Sam uh, Sam Laporta, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, even David Montgomery to a certain extent. This young core around them, this young nucleus, they're learning how to respond to pressure. And it's good right. to have a veteran in the locker room like Jared Goff that can kind of calm them down, still stand the course. You know, they're still fav- very heavy favorites to win the division. And they just have to take it one game at a time oh, at this point. Especially what happened with the rest of the division. 
I mean, I shouldn't even say that because the other than the Packers, every team in the division won this week in the NFC. And that's kind of a spoiler for our Monday Night Football pre, uh, talk later on in the show. But, yeah, the, the, they have to – the Lions, I still think, are in a good spot even with this loss. Because you think about it, look at some of the teams. If Let's say if like the Lions are a Super Bowl contending team that some people do expect to be. Some of those teams have had some really bad losses that have eventually propelled them to winning a championship. How about 2019? Your Patriots had a really bad loss. I think it was to the Titans, and obviously they went on to win the Super Bowl that season. That you had it, ha- it happens. You had the Patriots again in, I believe, 2018 or 2019 when we lost to the Dolphins on that uh, on that right the, the on that miracle Miami. Play. Yeah, and which turns out to be you know their Super Bowl. Remember, but remember what happened with the happen- Rams a couple years ago? The same thing. They had they didn't they did not win a single game in the month of December. I think it was. Or November. It was one of the two months. I don't remember which exact month it was. I think it was November. But they didn't win a single game in November, and they still won the Super Bowl. So you could have these mental lapses like this. It's only one game. Obviously, let's see how what happens going into the next game against the Raiders. But having one bad loss like this is not going to really derail your season if you're Detroit. So I think it's cur- I'm curious to see how they respond from this type of a game. But it certainly was not a good showing for them this past Sunday. No, absolutely not. And uh, again, this is a young team. They're going to learn how to play with each other. And I'm looking forward to see what they can do in the future. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how this team is because they're going to be good for a while considering how young they are. But let's now shift over to our next game in a divisional showdown in the NFC South with the winner taking over first place in the NFC South between the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this is a game where if you're a Falcons fan, it was kind of a questioning game. Um a lot of questions are still going on even after the game is over. Is Desmond Ritter your quarterback? You still have no idea. He had some really bad mishaps in this game, including a fumble inside the goal line. That would have been a touchdown, but a great play by Antoine Winfield saved a touchdown from happening. Uh, B. John Robinson didn't really play much of this game. He had um, a headache, apparently, in this one, and it wasn't allegedly. reported by the Falcons. Allegedly, so we, we don't know, but... If, if he if, if that has to be the only reason why he wasn't be used. Otherwise, uh, we don't really know what Arthur Smith's doing with this team because he's very questionable when it comes to using his playmakers. But the Falcons' defense, they looked, they looked pretty good again in this one. I mean, they caused chaos with Baker Mayfield, who was sacked three times in the day and threw an interception. And Young-Way Koo hit a game-winning field goal as time expired to give the Falcons a 16-13 win. And believe it or not, the Atlanta Falcons now jump into first place in the NFC South as, as of this week. And I get, like I said, they win the game, but there's still a lot of question marks for this team going forward of is rare, really that guy for you that can make you get you into the playoffs is Bijan as good as expected. We still have no idea with this team, but they're really, you know, silence of the naysayers by still winning these games and not going into first place in the division. Yeah, there's only so much you can do. You can silence them all you want, but um, they played really great. Is Desmond Ritter your guy? Um, you'll probably know by week 15 because there's going to be one or two options because the way this division is set up, they're either going to win this division by winning like eight games or they're going to be have a high draft pick and they can possibly take someone like Drake, Drake May because I think they're out of a tank game right now and they're out of the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Yeah, they, unless they have a really bad second half, they, they will not be in those, in those sweepstakes. No chance. So there's a couple different routes they can go here, and uh, it's going to be very tough because I don't know if this is really their their team. Like, is he really your guy? And because he has so many weapons around him. He has Kyle Pitts. He has 
uh, Tyler Algier. He has Drake London. He has all these guys around him. Bijan, Even John U. Yeah. Smith is, looks really good. And you mentioned Bijan, which I'll yeah. get to in a second. But let's talk about Bijan right now. He didn't play because of a headache. Uh, the reason why I think the NFL is investigating is because of a new gambling policy. Because gambling is sports betting is almost legal in every single state now. Yeah. And unfortunately, when a situation like this happens and we only plays one snap, that still gets counted towards uh, any under bets. So if someone right. had inside information on that coaching staff or someone close to the team and said, hey, I'm just going to parlay Bijan under in receptions, uh, you know, touches, uh, rushing yards, touchdowns, any stat you could imagine. Remember what happened with They're going to make a killing on it. Remember what happened in the NBA last season with Draymond? With Draymond. Where, That's exactly where um, I was going to go. You explained that. He literally um, got an intentional foul as after the tip-off and got taken out of the game. And anyone that bet his under for that game, I mean, it was questionable fashion, but they they won the bet. But some there were some sites that wouldn't give them the money because of that, in, that information. So I, I understand it from that aspect. They did the other issue is if they knew there was a headache issue, then why – um, not reported report to the NFL itself. I think that was the other problem with it as well. But when you have a headache and you're a running back, it's not easy to see the f- the, the field. I mean, uh, Terrell Davis for the Broncos. Cross side, you have blurry vision. Right. Terrell Davis for the Broncos, who when he won the Super Bowl MVP, he had blurry vision because he had a headache. But to his credit, he really he went off in that game for Denver, giving them that championship, I believe, over the Green Bay Packers. And – it's not easy to see the field when you're a running back and you're having blurry vision. You have no chance at doing anything in the game. So the, the fact that he played a couple snaps is even surprising, but there was no signs of him having the, the you know the headache going into it, or at least from what I saw in pregame videos. So I don't know. Interesting situation. Hopefully he's better for this upcoming weekend and their next game. But nonetheless, like we said, Atlanta now goes to four and three, and they're now in first place in the division. What a time to be alive. Atlanta's leaving the division one again. Yeah, it's been a minute since uh, Matt, the Matt Ryan uh, Super Bowl year, probably. That's probably the last time they were in first place. Jeez. Yeah. Right, we can get into our next well, game now. Well, they were. They might have been in first place last year because the NFC South was really bad, but that's that's besides the point. Anyway, it's never here nor there. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this next game. This was kind of a uh, game that was pretty much a lot, very back and forth and was very, very... I, I think it was the game of the week in terms of how... You know, it ended and how it started and how it was in the middle. It was overall the most yeah. action-packed game we've had all year, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, the Browns scored a touchdown early in this game. Uh, we're talking about the game between the Cleveland Browns and the Indianapolis Colts. And the Browns, they started off early. They got a nice uh, touchdown from Jerome Ford to start it off and give them an early 7-0 lead. And we it turned out to be a game between Gardner Minshew versus P.J. Walker because Deshaun Watson did start this game for the Browns, but he does get injured in this game with it. I believe it was a concussion that he got ruled out with. Now he did pass the concussion protocol. He was able to go back into the game. Coaches didn't want to risk him going back in. So it was once again, PJ Walker playing for Cleveland and to credit PJ Walker did just enough to get to keep them in the game. But the story of the game for Cleveland was miles Garrett. The amount of things that he did for this team defensively was unbelievable. He had a blocked field goal that kept, points off the board, and if you look at the final score, pretty much wins Cleveland this game. He had a sack in the end zone that gave Cleveland a fumble recovery for a touchdown to give them the lead late in the first half, and the game would go back and forth in the fourth quarter. We had a Michael Pittman 75-yard touchdown that gave the Colts back the lead at 38-33, to 
But the co- biggest thing for this game was the controversy surrounding the end of it. Uh, Cleveland got into the goal line due to a very questionable pa- uh, pass interference call and a pass that was thrown away, thrown out of bounds, and was definitely not catchable. And the referees threw the flag on the on the field and called against the Colts. The Browns would have first and goal from the one-yard line because of that penalty. They had three opportunities to throw the football. Uh, they did not convert any of them, so they gave it to Kareem Hunt on fourth and goal from the one. He scores the go-ahead touchdown with 15 seconds left. And the Browns, they barely escaped this one and hold on for a 39-38 to win over Indy. They now go to 4-2 and in the season. The Colts losing a very frustrating game from multiple ad, uh, sides of the game. And they now drop to 3-4 and four in their first game without Anthony Richardson, who's now out for the season. Um, like I said, a lot of controversy surrounding the game in terms of ref ball. And we had a lot of instances this week due to ref ball. And the next game that we'll be talking about after is also another game that we had an instance of that. But, yeah, I I've, I think for Cleveland, I mean, I guess good for them. They got the win. Now they're 4-2. and two, And I think the next biggest thing is for them is how healthy is Deshaun Watson going into the next game because they do have a big game upcoming this weekend. Well, it seems like they're going to be competing for the division still, which uh, a lot of people could have written them off after not having Deshaun Watson, Yeah, uh, especially after seeing a lot of the other teams like Baltimore. And they're still really close in the division. And you know how these AFC North divisional games can be. So they're definitely one to be looking out for for the uh, next couple of weeks here. Well, you can make the case. And I think I think it's perfectly said right now. I think the AFC North is probably the best division right now in all of football. Oh, by far. That's not even close. Because you got... You got the Steelers right now playing some decent football. Might not be the greatest football you've seen, but they're winning games. The Ravens just had a really good show in this past Sunday. The Browns win this game. And even during a bye week, the Bengals are still now starting to pick up where they left off from last season. Now they're 3-3. Three and three. They have a big game upcoming this weekend as well. And it kind of it's kind of an interesting time for that division because a, every team could make the case to make in the postseason this year. And we spoke about that in our preview for the season. I said I think every team has a really good list, a realistic shot of making the playoffs if possible. There's just going to probably be maybe that one team that unfortunately just doesn't make it at the end of the day. It's going to be sad to see whatever that team is, but um, all I know is it's uh, more competitive football and would not be looking at garbage time games in Week 16. That's true. Yeah, we always like to see some uh, playoff scenarios played out late in the season and Anytime there's a lot of game, uh, teams being alive in the uh, playoff race, that's when football gets, it, you know, it's at its finest. So I'm curious to see how Cleveland does the rest of the way because they're in a uh, they're a weird team right now. I still think their defense is really is still really good despite having given up 38 in this game, but they have one of the better defenses in all of the NFL. I think it's going to come down to how does Sean Watson respond from the multitude of injuries that he's got currently going on if they want to make the postseason this year. So. We'll have to find that out. But let's shift over into our next game, and we'll talk about another game that was also marred in some controversy with the refs. And it's another team from the AFC North getting involved as the Pittsburgh Steelers went into SoFi Stadium to take on the Los Angeles Rams. Early on in this game, it was pretty much all defense, kind of what we expected from this one between these two teams. The Rams went into halftime with a 9-3 lead. And the Steelers, to their credit, a strong second half, especially in the fourth quarter, got them back into this game, and they were able to hold on 24-17. to We saw in this one, um, Matt Stafford really sh- not really just struggling to get the ball away because of the Steelers' pass rush. T.J. Watt, as we know, is always a, a menace on the defensive side of the ball. 
had a big interception that set the Steelers up for a touchdown. George Pickens on the offensive side had 107 yards. We saw Deontay Johnson for the Steelers returning in this one. Najee Harris and Jalen Warren both had rushing touchdowns. Jalen getting the touchdown to put the Steelers within striking distance, and then Najee getting the go-ahead touchdown. And Pittsburgh, the big controversy for this game was that there was a fourth down play in which the Steelers ran a QB sneak, Kenny Pickett. It seemed to be short of the goal line, of, I shouldn't say the goal line, but of the first down marker. And the referees gave them a very favorable spot to give them the first down and essentially ice the rest of the game, giving them that 24-17 win to go to 4-2 and two, and dropping the Rams now to 3-4 and four in the season. Yeah, I can't even say it's an early birthday gift because that's not going to happen for another couple months to Coach Tomlin. Um, very confusing. You can see the look on Sean um, on Sean McVay's face, uh, Sean McVay's face at the end of a game. Very perplexing decision by the referees. Not even give him a chance at the end of that game. It would have been uh, I don't want to say next to impossible, but with the uh, it would have been close to impossible to get downfield. But they have playmakers like Puka Nakua. Definitely could have happened. Cooper Cup, one of the most dynamic wide receiver duos we've seen in this league in the last ten years. But yeah, this is... was uh, held in check for the Steelers to their credit. It was all Puka Nakua in this one. Well, I mean, I won't really credit. Uh, I mean, I'll give Puka credit. Obviously, he's actually, he's having one of the most phenomenal rookie seasons from the wide receiver position that we've seen in a little bit. But when you have a guy like Cooper Cup on the field, it makes your job a lot easier. Uh, the safety true. can come over. The corner can come over. Um, they're gonna be. He's gonna be the focus in double coverage. They'll. You know, would you ever say, okay, you know, let's double the rookie? Or say no, have the rookie beat us, and that's what that's what happened here. They let the rookie, um, or not in this case, but normally they uh, they took their chances, and the rookie didn't beat them this time around. Sometimes that's going to happen. That's kind of the uh, yeah. risk you have. You mean you can't have all these guys in the field? That's the problem, especially if a defensive line like the Steelers. Right, I think that's going to be curious for the Rams because they're in the wild card race for sure in the NFC, and they have Puka and Cooper Cup is a great one-two combo for them, and even like you know you have. Um, Guys like Tutu Atwell as well as one of the top receivers. And the the thing going in this game, obviously, remember they didn't have um, Kyron Williams. He was out for this one. So they had a they had two different running backs, Royce Freeman and Daryl Henderson, playing in this one. So that's going to be something that look out for for the Rams the next couple of weeks. But like we said for the AFC North, the Steelers, they haven't been playing pretty football, but They've been winning, so I think that's the moral of the story for this team now as they move forward into week number eight. I almost said week number nine, but that they get college football. Hard so, to keep those two. Uh, those two go two and two, and one's yeah. uh, college football is just a week ahead of us. Just a week ahead. I always, I always, uh, almost mix it up most of the time. So let's now move into our next game in an AFC West showdown between the Chargers and the Chiefs, and. It looked like early on, Johnson, this game was going to end in a shootout, considering it was at the half a 24-17 to lead for the Chiefs going in to the break. And the second half was a complete uh, turn from, uh, you know, a turn 180, I should say, as there was only seven points scored in the second half, that being from the low touchdown from the Chiefs in the fourth quarter. And the moral of the story for this game is it's been a consistent thing for the Chargers. and. They can't cover Travis Kelsey. They've this has been a problem for them for years. It continue in this game. He goes for twelve catches, one hundred and seventy nine yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Patrick Mahomes threw for four to twenty four yards and four TDs. And despite 
Josh Palmer's best efforts from the Chargers, having 133 yards. Justin Herbert threw for 259, did have a touchdown, but did throw two interceptions. Chiefs get the 31-17 win. They now go to 6-1 on the year. Chargers drop into 2-4. and four. Chargers, they're starting to get into very big pressure situation, I would say, Johnson. They have a Sunday night football game upcoming with the Bears this weekend, which it's not going to be a pretty one. I'm just going to say that for, uh, for now. But they need to win this next game because that seed is getting very hotter each and every week now we get later. Oh, it's boiling. Right to Staley. This is yeah. literally this is literally five hundred degrees. I'm surprised he hasn't jumped off himself already. <laughs> I, I to be honest, I, I if I were him, I would resign to save face at this point. Give it to Colin Moore. Why not? I, I mean, he's he's wasting offensive talent with Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, uh, and Justin Herbert. Those three players alone should be able to drag a struggling roster to ten or eleven wins. And he'd be lucky to get there right now. Yeah, so. Uh, we'll have to see. But for the Chiefs, I mean, their offense looks pretty good. I mean, they're starting to get some. They're starting to get a little bit of rhythm now. Mahomes and Kelsey, the, the combo just continues to work. And Do you mind they, if I uh, take the lead on this next game we have coming up here? Uh, yeah, go right for it. Oh, man, because I have a lot to say about this game. I'm sure you do, too, as a, as a Giants fan, but. Yeah, I have a little bit to say. Not, not much. I, I have a lot to say only because I said Miami is kind of a one-dimensional offense earlier in this year. And when they kind of struggled against the Patriots, kind of alarm bells went off. Then they scored 70 against the Broncos, and people thought they were the God's gift to you know the VR for right now. Now they lose to the Eagles. Now, should have a loss to the Eagles? Probably not. Even though I don't really like Miami, I think they, they're a one-dimensional offense. I don't think Mike McDaniel is this offensive genius everyone makes him out to be. Um, I'm sure, Nick, if you dragged any casual fan off the street and you gave him Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and Tua, I'm sure they could coach up to a couple good wins, right? Well, I think the biggest thing for me in this game, um, I, I, like, I'll say this. The Dolphins seem to play some good football when they're able to run the football. Now, obviously, in this one, they struggled. And this is a good defense for the Eagles in terms of rush defense. They have one of the better, you know, front seven in all of football. So it's not easy to run against this team. But you're not wrong in the sense of if the Dolphins don't have their running game going, then it doesn't help their passing attack. Because there were some moments where they tried to throw the football and it just wasn't working. They're also, remember, if you remember correctly, in this one, Jalen Waddle had a back injury that took him out for most of the first half. So it was up to Tyreek Hill to mostly most do all the work for the the uh, Dolphins. I was the Chiefs. Uh, no longer there, obviously. Well, I, but I, yeah. We need to talk about that passing game, though, because just in general, right? So for the team, there were 32 passing attempts, right? Yeah. And there were 11 attempts on the ground, right? And only 23 completions, right? So out of your 33 successful plays, right, that you called for your team, right, or 34 successful plays you called for your team, 11 of your touches went to Tyreek Hill. You're telling me that there are seven or eight guys on offense that you can hand the ball to or throw to, and one guy's getting 25% of all the all the touches? Well, he is the fastest man in the entire league. I, I, I'm aware that he's the fastest man in the entire league. But that's not a recipe for success. When the Patriots had Randy Moss... Well, was he getting, was he getting almost thirty percent of their touches every game? I mean, look at two thousand seven. I mean, he had a multitude of touchdowns. Yeah, I know. He listen. You could be good, but there's a difference between being that good and feed overfeeding him the ball. 
I don't know if it's... Well, remember, again, there was a point in the game where Jalen Waddle got hurt. So they had to feed him the ball more than ever because they couldn't run the football. And realistically, after Hill and Waddle, who's your next best option? Cedric Wilson? Braxton Barrios? It's not really good number three options for this team. And that's why they leaned heavily on the running game these last couple of weeks so that they didn't have to try to throw the football as much as like as they are doing. But, but Nick, they've had no choice. Enough of like, kind of ragging on the Dolphins. I, I want to applaud the Philadelphia Eagles right now oh, for being God. one of the first NFL teams this season, I think the first this season, to play a perfect game of football defensively. I mean, no penalties at all. So perfect yeah. discipline from the Philadelphia Eagles. Even though the Dolphins got masterful, masterful. Just you know, I, I can't believe it. They played sixty minutes of football and not a single penalty. You know, it's totally not between the, the bear controversy and the controversy of the Chiefs. The NFL, Roger Gil- Goodell, totally doesn't want a Kelsey Bowl with Taylor Swift well, there, right? Well, and Mama Kelsey. Mind. No, Keep right? I'd be okay. crazy to think that for ratings, right? And how much money? Keep in mind, there was a missed uh, defensive face mask that the Eagles should have been called on on fourth down late in this game. So the Eagles should have been called for a penalty on defense. But oh, they, they also, played a perfect game. They come on. They're the goal they of the NFC. They also got a rough in the passer that was absolutely weak. And that also helped the Eagles score a touchdown. Listen, I, I don't drive. like the Dolphins like everyone knows, but this was complete BS. Um, like I said, they're, they're the one biggest consistent thing that we saw this week was ref ball, ref ball. Took, took took over even more than ever. So it's not fun when the referees take the game out of, uh, out of, out of your hands. hands and then make the fans have to watch it because it's tough. I watched it in the Giants Seahawks game. The referees were also trying to take that game over as well. It's not fun. But – Let's get into the final game of our schedule. Actually, Johnson, before we do, let's talk about the tr- big trade that the Eagles made before we go into In the that. robbery? Yeah, the Kevin Byer trade for from the Tennessee Titans. Remember what I said last week? I said the Titans might be sellers sooner rather than later because they're in that spot where they're 2-4. and four. And I mentioned Kevin Byer could be one of those guys that give up. Kevin Byer, sure enough, goes, gets traded the next week. He is going to the Philadelphia Eagles in exchange for Terrell Edmonds. A 2024 fourth round, uh, fifth round pick, excuse me, and a sixth round pick going to Tennessee. So both teams swapping safeties. You, you missed tight. a couple of items in there. You missed the lukewarm can of Pepsi and the half bag of Doritos. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, that no really rounded out the, uh, the no, trade uh, there. No cheese doodles? No, no, Doritos. They are a very classy okay. organization. Is it nacho cheese Doritos? or uh, No, Cool Ranch. You had to cool settle ranch. on that. Uh, damn, that's unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, I hate it because the Eagles once again get a no, real, another really good def- uh, player for that defense, and uh, yeah, this should definitely help them try to get back to the Super Bowl. So uh, I am, I am uh, dead inside. That's all I'm gonna say about this trade. Well, you know who's also dead inside? Forty Nine fans. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they de- actually... yeah. Captain Charisma, oh, Captain Kirk himself, coming up huge after throwing an interception in the first half to lead them on game-winning drives. And have the defense clutch up in the fourth quarter to pick off the Niners in yeah, this Brock Purdy Monday football really, game. Brock Purdy threw a really bad interception late in this game. But I think a big thing coming out of this game for the, for the Vikings is not only did Kirk Cousins play really good. How about Jordan Addison? And this is basically this is his, his breakout coming, game. This was his coming out party. I was about to say, I agree with you 100%. 
123 yards, two touchdowns, even a touchdown late in the first half in which it looked like Traverius Ward was going to intercept Cousins and Addison just ripped the ball away from him and then ran it in for the touchdown. And the Vikings, they continue the uh, – they kind of read the script for this appar- this weekend apparently in which everything chaotic that would go uh, wrong for the teams that were expected to win did go wrong as the Vikings pulled off the upset and beat the Niners 22-17. to And I don't know, Johnson, it's now two straight losses for this Niners team after starting 5-0. and And I remember we talked about them a couple weeks ago. We said that this was probably the team to beat in the NFC. After these last two performances, I'm not so sure of that. They looked really, they looked really bad in this one. I still think they are. I still think they are because I always said the Vikings were a good team. They had, listen, they had close losses to the Buccaneers and Eagles, which they shouldn't have lost to. And they had close losses to the Chargers and Chiefs. So it's not like they're losing to scrubs, right? It's not like the Vikings are like, oh my God, they're losing to the Panthers or they're losing to the Bears. No. Uh, The Eagles, which are a top tier team. The Chargers, which need to figure out their, they need to get together, and the Chiefs, which are they're obviously the top tier team. The only team that's luck. kind of excusable hmm. or inexcusable is the Buccaneers, which is currently a 500 team, but it was the first week of the season, so I'm will, I'm willing to kind of uh, give them the benefit of the doubt on that one. And keep in mind for the Vikings, their last two games have come without Justin Jefferson, and they've still been able to make the ship so far. Yeah, yeah, no. So uh, I, I wouldn't panic yet for a 40, for if you have the 49ers yet. Now, if you lose to the Bengals and you drop to five and three, which I think is becoming more and more possible every day, uh, serious changes need to go. Serious changes need to occur during that bye it's week. Panic time, I think, because then, then it's panic really, time. Now you got to look to make some trades. You spoke about it with Brock Purdy. I I don't know what decision they could make a quarterback. I, if they say, if they really get panicky, do they go to Sam Darnold? I really don't think they should. I don't think they will. I think if they look, if they get trade for. Uh, I just don't a know veteran? who would be. I don't know, but if they could trade for a veteran, they're going to do it, but I don't know who it would be. You're right. Yeah, I don't know who that would be. I think the only veteran quarterback I think could maybe be on the on the block would be what? Tannehill, maybe? I think Tannehill would be great in that system. I don't and know I can't he, believe I'm saying that. I don't know if he would be on the block. He's also currently injured, but I don't know. I don't know if there's a veteran quarterback right now that could really help them at this point. I guess so we'll find I, out. I say hats. Uh, other way, either way, hats off to the Vikings because they proved me. They proved me wrong in this one, and now they go to three and four. This is a team that I thought that I thought especially would have a bit of a sophomore slump considering they made the playoffs last season, but they proved me wrong. They go to three and four now in the season. But now that all is said, Johnson, I think it's time for the mushing hour in week number eight. Yes, I am excited, and remember this: we are ripping off red zone where. Losses become wins, and wins become losses just because we mush them. Now, uh, the only team that we agreed on that was going to win last week was the 49ers. We had different picks. I'm sorry, Tampa the 49ers and Tampa Bay. Yep. We disagreed everywhere else. Those, that's the only time we said, you know what? We agree on both of these things, and guess what? Both those teams lost. So remember, if we both pick them, pick the opposite of what we pick. That's the only – that's no, Mush Go can ahead. be contagious. It can transmit through uh, through waves of entertainment, whether it is a podcast or a video or even text message. So be very careful when you're listening to this and where you're listening to this. All I'm going to say is the over and the uh, Dolphins-Eagles game was such a bad beat because it only lost by four points. All I needed a touchdown. Hate to see it. But yeah. let's go on to our first game in our rapid-fire 
Mushing Hour. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going into Orchard Park to take on the Bills. The Bills at home, eight and a half point favorites over under Slate at 42 and a half. Give me Bills minus eight and a half. We're going to rebound here. Baker Mayfield is going to walk the plank and uh, Bills Mafia is going to be running wild on them. Um, I don't know, man. This is a this is not a bad defense they're playing this week in Tampa. I think Tampa Bay is still a solid defense overall, and I think the Bills are going to have they're having some struggles right now offensively. I think those are going to continue, especially on a short week. Uh I'm going to take the under for this game. I think the Bills. The only way the Bills win this game is if their defense shows out and they force Baker Mayfield to make some mistakes. But I'm just not liking the way the Bills' offense is playing right now. So I'm not willing to take the spread because I think it's just too many points. So I will take the under. That is respectful. Now, we have the battle for New York. I mean, battle of New Jersey. We have the MetLife Bowl. We have the New York Jets at home playing the New York Giants also at home. I can't believe that those words just came out of my mouth. New York Jets, who are at, technically on the road, but at home at the same time because this is so stupid and they should have two stadiums, are minus three-point favorites and the over-under slate at 36.5. So not only are you getting two bad home teams for the price of one, uh, you're getting a slog fashion of a, fo- of a football game with Tyrod Taylor and Zach Wilson. If that doesn't make you think, it man, I love Daniel, football, I don't know what you It could be Daniel Jones. Thinking. It could be Daniel Jones. But that but, all being said, give me Giants yeah. minus three because I don't want the Jets to be happy. So you're going, so I'm going alternative spread. spread. Ah. Giants are not only going to win, they're going to win by more than a field goal. Uh, Giants are hot. They should have beaten the Bills, and they could continue on that streak and beat the Jets. I, I don't know if I like this, Giants, because they're going to start making me believe again and make the playoffs. That's what. That's why I'm already I, believing why I'm, in my team again, and we have um, two wins. So I will say this: I want to give you a quick update. I'm watching Game Seven of the NLCS. The Diamondbacks just took a one nothing lead. And for anyone that's Just listening to this, them. for anyone that's, you could do that if you want to. Uh, for anyone listening to our show tonight or whenever uh, this episode comes out for you, make sure to tune in to our next episode. We'll be previewing the World Series and recapping both the ALCS and the NLCS. I certainly have a lot to say about this past ALCS between the Rangers and the Astros. That's for sure. But getting a little bit off topic, let me go back into this game between the Jets and the Giants. Um, I don't disagree. The Giants probably should have won that game against Buffalo. They, they. I guess they won a game against Washington. It was a really ugly game, but they won. Uh, Tyrod Taylor made some good throws in that one. The defense played really good. They're probably the best defensive game I've seen in years for this team. And they, the only thing that concerns me is 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 the Jets' defense. I think that's going to be the problem going into this game. Uh it's a low. It, it, they're saying it's going to be a low scoring game. I don't tend to disagree. Thirty six and a half is so low for a game like this. But I don't disagree. I'm going to go with the under for this game also. I don't see a lot of offense being played between Zach Wilson and potentially either Daniel Jones or Tyron Taylor. All right. So the next thing we have, we're going to the NFC East here. We have the Eagles on the road going into Northern Virginia to take on the Washington Commanders, led by Commander Tutty. We have the Eagles on the road, six and a half point favorites, over under slated at 43 and a half. Give me E A G L E S Eagles minus six and a half. Uh, well, Nick, do you really think the Commanders are that good? The Commanders did put up a good fight against them the last time. Remember that, and that's why if they're going to get really excited and kind of overplay their hand and lose by six and a half points or more of his time around. Well, this is a big game for the Commanders because they're coming off that bad loss to the Giants, and 
you saw you heard Jonathan Allen's comments from that game. He's pissed off, and the entire team is pissed off at what's going on with this team right now. And their offense has struggled. You've seen the sack numbers allowed for their offensive line. It's approaching Derek, uh, almost a Derek Carr, David Carr numbers for the expansion Texans in their first year. So it's getting really bad for this team. I don't disagree. Just because it's the Eagles, I'm going to mush them, and I'm going to take my six and a half as well. All righty, Ben. So the next game we have are the Cleveland Browns going on the road. The dog pound led by Brownie the Elf is on the road going to Seattle. Take on the 12th man and the Seahawks. Seahawks at home. That's their mascot name. You can't fault me for it. The Seahawks at home, minus three-point favorites over under slate at 40 and a half. Give me Cleveland. They're going to be inspired by that win, and oh. Geno Smith is going to be kind of maybe he's maybe he's going to be down a, a wide receiver or two. DK Metcalf was out. Yeah, DK Metcalf was out for this previous game. And I don't care if it's uh, PJ Walker. I don't care if uh, they want to get any other XFL legend to get out there. Uh, Miles Garrett is a problem. That line is not going to be able to contain him. He's going to have a field day trying to go rip apart Geno Smith. Give me Browns plus three. Don't know if they win, but give me at least for them to cover. See, I'm going to go the opposite. I think Seattle minus three is my pick for this game. I think the Seahawks... They got a little bit of momentum from that win over Arizona. I think I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Devin Witherspoon, especially for this defense right now. He's looking to be as a very special corner in the NFL. And I think even if it's Watson starting for Cleveland in this game, I still don't think it makes a big difference. I think that it's going to all come down to the trenches. And give me Kenneth Walker any day over Kareem Hunt right now. So I'm going to take Seattle That's fair. Last Okay, we have... The Cincinnati Bengals staying in the state of uh, talk about the state of Ohio, about to say the state, the state of Cleveland, the state of Ohio. Cincinnati Bengals going on the road to the Bay Area to take on the 49ers. San Francisco, five and a half point favorites at home, 45 and a half is the slated over under. Give me Cincinnati plus five and a half. I think Seattle, Seattle, San Francisco rebounds this week. Uh, Cincinnati has struggled throughout the season. They're currently sitting at 500, coming off a of bye week. Uh, San Francisco needs to win this game, but it's not. They're not going to win it by much. This is a must-win situation for them, so I think they're going to kind of. Uh, uh, they're going to look at their playbook. They're going to look at game film, and they're going to kind of devise a new game plan to take on this Bengals defense. So give me Bengals plus five and a half to cover, because San Francisco is going to win, but by not, but by not much. Well, we have another mush because I'm also going with the Bengals plus five and a half. I think the Bengals, in my opinion, I almost want to take them outright to win this game. Uh, I've seen some bad things from the Niners the last couple of weeks, especially from their offense. And without Debo, they've looked really bad without him. And McCaffrey really struggled in their previous game. I think the Bengals are, gonna, are catching them at the right time, especially given that they had a bye week the previous week. I think this is a good chance for Cincinnati to pull off a nice road win. All right. And the next game we have, second to last game, we have the Chicago Bears. Oh, what a rush. Taking oh, on the Los God. Angeles Chargers. This game does suck. This is gonna be a great, great game. Los Angeles Chargers technically at home, I not really. Again, baby. Los Angeles Chargers technically on uh technically at home because you know it's gonna be a Bears home game, even though they're away. Nine point favorites at home, forty six and a half is the slated over under. Give me Bears plus nine. They're okay. gonna find a way to keep it close because Brandon Staley's not a good coach. And uh if I'm Justin Herbert, I throw this game on purpose to get a new new head coach and get him fired. I really don't disagree with that. I'm going to take the Chargers. I'm going to do alternate spread because I don't trust it. I'm going to take Chargers minus seven. Um, 
I wonder if Bajan's going to struggle in this game just because he's going to have to face Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. And I don't know how that Bears offensive line is going to fare against that. I think the only way the Bears stay alive in this game is if Deontay Foreman has another really big game like he did this past Sunday against the Raiders. So for uh, for that reason, I think the Chargers should win. I think they should win easily, but I'm going to take the minus seven just to play it safe. Okay, so if we don't agree on this one, the only mushes we will have will be the Bengals and Eagles, so remember to bet the opposite this week. Correct. The final game of the week, we have the Las Vegas Raiders going on the road to take on the Detroit Lions in Ford Field, a famous arena that was known for Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Um, anyways, I digress. Detroit, that was not eight the, and a half that minute favorite. That's not the same arena, my dude. It's not? That was a silver dome. This is Ford Field. Oh, the silver dome. Whatever. It's still in Detroit. <laughs> famous city. Known known for a famous moment. Oh, I didn't mean to call you out like that, but I, I had no choice. But go I got fact-checked anyway. Yeah. We do it live. Yeah. Detroit at home, eight and a half point favorites. 45 and a half is the slated over-under. Give me lines eight and a half. They're gonna rebound. Uh, Josh McDaniels couldn't coach his way out of a pe- uh, out of a paper bag. That's clearly evident of the last couple of weeks. Besides against the yeah. Patriots, because for some reason former Belichick assistants always beat the Patriots. Uh, so I have the script here. It says the Lions are gonna win by eight and a half, and John Gruden will come back and coach at halftime. <laughs> that would be that would be some good cinema if that happens. I would be pretty. That would be pretty good. I kind of want it to happen. Uh, I'm going to go with Lions minus seven. I'm gonna, I'll play it safe. So we don't have a complete mush. It's pretty much almost the same. But I really think the Lions might win this game by multiple touchdowns. Um, the Raiders might be playing Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell again. And the Lions coming off that bad performance against the Ravens. They need a bounce back game. And this is the perfect week to get that bounce back game. So give me Detroit all day. I don't think there's a chance in hell they lose. But... As accustomed as we saw this past weekend, I guess anything is really possible right now in the NFL. Anything's possible in the NFL, and that's what makes it one of the greatest leagues of all time. But before we wrap up the show, Johnson, I know there is a card show that we want to plug really quickly before we sign off today. Absolutely. We're going to plug this card show until our eyes bleed. Okay, we have the the Middlesex County Community College card show coming up in November, November 4th to be exact. It's going to be Saturday, November 4th. 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Middlesex County Community College in Edison, New Jersey. Please stop by, say hello, buy something, just chat, whatever. It's always a good event. 100-plus tables. going to be a lot of great vendors, and it's going to be a great day to kind of just come and hang out. And it's right during the middle of the NFL season, so we'll be sure to have a lot of topics going on at that show while this NFL season continues. So should be a fun one. We'll have to see how the NFL shapes up in the next couple of weeks going into that card show. But... That is going to do it for this week's edition of the All Gas No Breaks Sports Show. Another interesting week of the NFL, to say the least. We now head into week number eight in this season. Also, keep in mind, the trade deadline is coming up in the NFL as well. So, we could be seeing some big-time moves happening. We saw the Kevin Byer trade. We'll have to see if there's any more moves happening in the NFL as the weeks go along. This has been Nicholas Bavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson with the All Gas No Breaks Sports Show. Have a great rest of your weekend.